I think it's like with football coaches. I think this is a case where just about anything could work depending on the situation, the company culture, and the support system in place. You know, can a former player coach? Sure can. Can an offensive coordinator make the transition to head coach? Yup. What about a defensive coordinator? Yes. Can Deion Sanders rise untraditionally and be successful pretty much right out of the gate? Yeah, that can happen too. I'm Deidre Willard, and that's Anand Shakavalu. I caught up with him and Ricky Mulvey to talk about the different scenarios that cause a leader to leave a company and how investors should think about what happens next. We discuss the lasting effects of a long goodbye, gold standards for passing the torch, and recent examples of expected departures, activist strong-arming, and a few moves that have left us wondering what the heck just happened. Let's start on and Ricky. First of all, when a CEO of a stock you own and love leaves, well, what do you think first? The first reaction for me is similar to when a couple that you know well breaks up. You know, for, uh, spill the tea. Is there a juicy backstory? <laughs> he did what? <laughs> then, then I'd probably break the, the CEO leaving kind of into two buckets. One is the brand name CEOs and one is kind of the generic CEOs. You know, brand name would be things like long tenured, a founder, uh, led a turnaround at the company, had some big time wins at the company, et cetera. Generic would be not not those things. Uh, and then whether, you know, two other buckets, right? It's a, whether it's a small company where a CEO can really make a positive difference or a super large Coca-Cola type company where you're unlikely to move the needle too much unless you're spectacularly, amazingly bad doing wild acquisitions or things like that. Yeah, it also, I mean, it depends on how the CEO leaves. Uh, have they already left? Sometimes you find out about a CEO departure after, like the, the board has announced the CEO has resigned immediately. Um, or sometimes you hear about it in terms of, uh, hey, we're going to have a six-month transition on the long, long-tenured goodbye tour at AutoZone. Um, and then sometimes it's it's something you've almost been counting on. One instance would be Dan Schulman at PayPal. Uh, that was that was sort of uh, seen by investors for quite some time. That's a little bit different than uh, Yancey Sproul, who is the CEO of DigitalOcean, where uh, I own a little DigitalOcean stock, and that definitely raised my eyebrow. One of the things I've noticed is when a CEO leaves, usually not great for the stock in the short term, and especially depending on if there's an interim or if there's a succession plan. I think it really it, it can it can hurt the stock in a way. It can be a buying opportunity. Sometimes it can definitely not be. I think a really C, a good CEO transition, you kind of need a year, right? Is I mean, you can't you can't expect good things to happen fast, and you can't expect bad things to be resolved fast either, right? Are, are you telling me and Anand this, or are you telling this to Bob Iger? <laughs> Jury's out on that one. Uh, it all depends on the size of the company, right? Anand was talking about the the large uh, Coca Cola. Kraft Heinz type type companies where it's going to take a long time to to steer the ship around. Then you have some of the smaller cap ones where where the CEO and and founders matter a, a heck of a lot more to the to the lower level employees. I wish I had a better answer than it depends. It always depends. Let's go into some questions that I put together about the things I ask when I hear about a CEO transition. So the first one is 
why is it needed and is it needed? So there's normal stuff. Normal stuff happens. You have retirement or health concerns or someone leaves because they want to be the CEO somewhere else. And that's all that's all sort of normal. And then you have the other stuff. So you have like an activist wants them out or or there's an internal need for change or the board wants them out. Sometimes there's health concerns. And then I have the bucket that I call drama. And drama is just the the wild things that happen when someone suddenly leaves. And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes it's internal drama that never makes the light of day. And sometimes it's drama that that plays out in the media. Are there any other questions on your list of, of why the transition might be needed? My question is, is the next CEO a cult? Uh, do they appear to be a cultural fit? Sometimes you can tell that from the background, the attitude, and and often or sometimes you you want someone who's the complete opposite. Um, but I would also say that sometimes I, I just completely accept that the CEO of a publicly traded company just she wants to step down from her job. It's an incredibly demanding job, and um, in fact, l- last year I had a conversation with with the former CEO of Medtronic, um, Bill George. And we were kind of talking about just should CEOs have term limits because it does make like sometimes it makes sense for someone to be there for decades and decades, but that's a lot of power for one person for for an extended period of time. One question I have is what is this uh, what is this CEO saying about the incoming CEO? Does it appear to be a press release or is is an investor? Does it look like this this outgoing CEO is is genuinely setting the next one up for success? Well, that sort of leads to my next thing. And that and that is a really good point because sometimes the CEO is just getting kicked up to to be the chair of the board and that and that that's fine. That's like a blip. But the question is uh how fast is the transition happening? And we've seen this play out a lot recently because you have two things. You have you have sort of the immediate thing where it's like poof, the person's gone. And then it seems like a lot lately we've had the long goodbye. So, you know, Howard Schultz with Starbucks, the long goodbye, you know, certainly whatever Iger is going through, it's going to be a long goodbye at Disney. You've got uh, Bill Rhodes of AutoZone, you mentioned. Uh, he's he's giving about six months to transition to an internal replacement. So do you like the long goodbye? Do you think it's it's good for the company or should should they just start fresh? I think the long goodbye is okay as long as there is a definitive end date that is followed. From what I've seen, at least in the earning calls, Bill Rhodes of AutoZone seems to be handling this this transition with with grace and care. Um, so yeah, and there are times though where I would imagine if you're the CEO, it it the the incoming CEO, it would be n- nice to have the ex CEO not looking over your shoulder on every decision. Shout out GE as well. Especially when it's those long goodbyes that aren't, you know, the, wait, we just hugged and they drove back in their car and now Howard Schultz and Bob Iger are coming to hug me again. Wait, what's going on? Wait, now there's another long goodbye at Starbucks, but wait, is he still around? Um, You have that. Yeah. And and this is where you can see some of the support. This was back when... um, Jim Sinegal was stepping down from Costco. He told the Seattle Times uh, about Craig Jelinek, quote, it'll be an upgrade. He is well-liked and smart and energetic and all of the things I used to be. Also, I will advise when I'm asked and try not to interfere and meddle. Um, that That's kind of the gold standard, I think, for CEO transitions. 
Yeah, the, the, the don't interfere in metal part uh, seems, seems to be pretty important. Let's talk a little bit about meeting the successor. So sometimes when we get these announcements, you get you get to find out right away. Sometimes you've got the interim and then you're sort of like, well, I don't know how I should feel about the interim, even if the interim is is someone who you think might become the new CEO and maybe they're just doing it, an external search. There's always so many variables. So where do you think the best CEOs come from? And when do you want an external person to come in versus you just want you just want someone internal who knows the company to step up to that next role? Yeah, a lot of times, right, when, when you get the new CEO, you want the story to be intact, right? Whatever that is. Ricky talked about how you want it to be different than the current one, or or maybe you want con- continuity. Um, I, I think it's like with football coaches. I think this is a case where just about anything could work depending on the situation, the company culture, and the support system in place. You know, can a former player coach? Sure can. Can an offensive coordinator make the transition to head coach? Yup. What about a defensive coordinator? Yes. Can Deion Sanders rise untraditionally and be successful pretty much right out of the gate? Yeah, that can happen too. What's ideal? Heck if I know. And, you know, we talked about like an internal hire, like at Costco, that may be the ideal um, outside of the case where the founder naturally grows with the company and grows their skill sets. But external searches can work for CEOs too. Uh, They certainly get a lot more sizzle than just a, an unnamed internal, or not unnamed, but a under the radar internal candidate. Um, and companies that are kind of floundering or then grown more complacent, that, that might be kind of the outside voice that they need. Um, now, as for like prior experience, yeah, I mean, a COO works, a marketing person, a CFO, same goes for different types of personalities. I don't think there's a formula. I think people are complex and situations are complex and hard to predict until you actually see the situation play out. And as Deidre said, I mean, um, a year, I mean, I would, I would argue a year is even too short. What, what I want is anything is a competent person who's very motivated at that point in their career and who has the time to, and is given the time to make changes and decisions that need to be made. Um, and going back to how important the situation, company culture, and the support system is, probably more important than anything else is stability. Uh, if you're the fifth CEO in 10 years, it's probably not going to work out for you. It's like a Cleveland Browns quarterback. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so, so. So kind of building on that, I, I put together a list of questions on how it, uh, whether or not it would break my thesis of the company, because sometimes, sometimes it will and sometimes it won't. So first thing I asked myself, we talked a little bit about this, like, does the company need a change? And sometimes I'm really excited to see a new CEO, especially if I just feel like the company's been going down a road I don't like, the, the numbers aren't where they should be, then I, I want the change. I'm ready for it. Sometimes if I if this was a founder thesis, if the old CEO was the founder or has been the CEO for for 20 years, sometimes that's sometimes it's time to move on. Sometimes it's, if it's a founder, especially a founder that is like very been very connected the whole time and then they leave suddenly, that that will worry me and potentially break my thesis. Uh, I asked myself, is the company tied to the CEO's identity? And is this like, 
is do you think of when you think of the company do you immediately think of that ceo and if so then then that sometimes can can be a concern i mean at apple and tim cook is, is the obvious example with with when uh, steve jobs had to leave um you know does does the new ceo have an extra grind about something are they going to need to make things their own sometimes sometimes i want to see that i want to see them feel that need to get in there and bring in their own team and and clean house. And sometimes I really don't want that to happen. And then the last one, I think this is an old Buffett quote, but like, could a ham sandwich run this company? Is this a company where I don't really have to worry about the CEO that much? Everything's in place, you know, someone's just sitting in the seat and driving this steady bus versus a company that really needs the firm hand on the wheel because this thing's a little iffy. What kind of questions do you ask yourself? I think I ask. I started asking questions about probably six months after the the new CEO transition has has taken place, especially for the new job. To, to Anand's earlier point, it's so difficult. Um, it's so difficult to judge judge uh, how a thesis could change within the the excitement of the announcement period. But I also think I, the thing I try to do as well is not sometimes not let a CEO change build a new thesis because often a lot of these companies have have pro, uh, have greater problems and traumas that can't be fixed by by flipping the box over. Let's run through some of the recent moves we've seen. I broke this up by category. The first one I want to start with is the expected. And we had kind of, as we were uh, putting this together, we had a little breaking expected. Rupert Murdoch, 92 years old, finally stepping down. His oldest son, Lachlan, is taking the helm. Yes, we knew this was coming, but I think this is one of those where even it, though it's expected, there's probably a little drama in the offing. Any thoughts on this one? I thought Roman would get it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that joke had to be made. I think it was about six months ago that they tried to put Fox and and News Corp together into one company, and the shareholders uh, did not want to do that. And so now you've got Lachlan taking over with two different companies in a very sort of interesting situation. So this is one, I'm not a shareholder in either company, but if if I were, I would be watching pretty closely. Another one that was expected and, and kind of an interesting one, Toast's co-founder, Aman Narag, he's served as the chief operating officer. He's going to become the CEO. You had a CEO, Chris Comparatado, who held the position since 2015, and he basically kind of guided the company through going public. So you kind of like to see the co-founder ascend here. What do you think? This is, at least in theory, set up about as well as you can set it up, right? You've got one of the co-founders kind of, uh, you know, they're they're letting uh, the new guy who's got the experience take them public, but then you learn at at kind of the feet of that person and you, you become COO for a couple of years and to kind of smooth your way to, to become CEO. In theory, this should be great. We'll, we'll see how it all plays out over the coming years, but this is, this is well done. Let's talk a little bit about PayPal. We mentioned them earlier. Alex Chris is going to be the new CEO. He's a veteran of Intuit, worked on some of their acquisitions, and it seems like a good fit here. PayPal is definitely at this pivot point. They're sort of, they've moved on from the sort of like heady growth era. There's there's sort of, you know, it's it's an it's an interesting point at which he's coming on. And this was expected for a while. So 
expected, but also reasons to be optimistic here, don't you think? Yeah, this is kind of a classic one to get excited about. You know, in the best case, this is a Chipotle situation. We had Brian Nichol from from Taco Bell coming in and taking over for for a founder in that case. Uh, in this one, it's you know you're getting that new blood that has very relevant industry experience. Uh, see also my guy Bill Reddy at Pinterest, who had Google and PayPal experience, but on paper doesn't always translate. So, and again, each company is different, and some brilliant coordinators aren't brilliant head coaches and all that. But I'm excited to follow both PayPal and Pinterest to see how these turn out. I've been waiting on Pinterest every quarter, right? <laughs> yeah, in the case of PayPal, I mean, the, the, the thing PayPal's really highlighting from Alex Chris was his ability to grow customer count and revenues over at, um, over at Intuit. And so in this case, sort of the, the bar he's going to be living up to is can he bring PayPal back to its growth story, which for a large, mature company might be tough. Yeah, definitely. And one last one in this sort of like expected category. This sort sort of a classic one. Uh, Kraft Heinz they announced uh, Carlos Abrams Rivera as the next CEO. He began his career at Kraft. He came back to run uh, U.S. retail sales, and it seemed like a very planned move. Like he came back, and then you know now he's ascending. Transition's not happening till January. This is just like this nice, stable, smooth thing. It feels very much like the AutoZone transition to me. Uh, you know, I'm not a shareholder, but but if I were, I would be like, oh, okay, this sounds good. To- totally agreeing, right? Big established company, homegrown talent. Try not to dump too much ketchup in the mac and cheese, and everything's groovy enough. This this is the ham sandwich we're looking for. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk a little bit about the activist moves because when this happens, it's a little different. So we've had a couple of them recently. Illumina, uh, they announced their new CEO. Their previous CEO stepped down over the summer after a proxy fight with Carl Icahn, which, you know, who wants to fight with Carl Icahn? So the new uh, CEO, Jacob Thaisen, senior vice president at Agilent, another biotech company, long background in life sciences feels like a good move here. I mean, I know Illumina's got some some issues with that that acquisition of uh kind of reacquisition of Grail that they've got to wrestle with, but in in this case it feels like at least with this transition you calm down Icon and that sometimes that's not a bad thing. What do you think about activist moves in in general? I mean, I we we were before the before we've recorded this, we were kind of going back and forth about some good ones. I think one good one was Josh Silverman at Etsy. Uh, you know, that was uh, way back in in 2017. Are there good ones that that you can think of? I want to hear Anand's rant. I feel like he's he's gearing up for a rant about this. I mean, honestly, not to punt the question, right? Because um, I do think someone like you know Barry McCarthy you know needs time at Peloton. I think that's one that y- you need time, right? We we, we all want to see quarter after quarter, but it'll take a while. And and same with the Pinterest story. Uh, but but honestly, one of my big pet peeves is is activist investors meddling with quality companies. I think a company needs to be on death's door before often short termist activist moves kind of make sense to me. Like if it's a company I believe in or at least ha- think has a shot, I'd rather let the company stay focused and figure things out. Now, of course, I, I also am someone who would give more leeway to the founder to, to figure things out more. I probably wouldn't have made moves at Chipotle, right? Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, but unless you're trying to pump out small, quick gains, 
at least the you know non-activist moves have a chance of being long-term focused. And like you know, to give you that example of like Carl Icahn, I mean, he forever lost me a few years ago when you know he was kind of nosy neighboring over at Apple, and you know I think he bought like a billion dollars worth of shares there and started trying to to push for stuff. I only want one cook in the kitchen, and his name is Tim. <laughs> Good line. Another one I have concerns about is is Coles. You know, the 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 death of the department store is worrying me. Coles brought in Tom Kingsbury, former CEO of Burlington, like forty years of retail experience. Activist story here too. Uh, they tried uh, activists tried to oust uh, the the prior CEO Michelle Gass. Finally, finally got her out. She moved on to Levi Strauss, where we've got another long goodbye happening with uh, the current CEO, Chip Berg. We'll, we'll see if he he says he's leaving. He'll eventually leave. But uh, Kingsbury, you know, not not necessarily as much of a, a Hail Mary, but more of a like, you need a guy who understands retail. You bring in this guy. He understands retail. So maybe maybe they're preparing the company for sale. I know they tried to sell themselves last year. I think some of what he's doing is just getting it kind of tidied up. Don, and one more uh, we, we talk about a decent amount is Mary Dillon at Foot Locker. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had success at Ulta Beauty. Uh, someone Deidre and I both follow. Uh, you know, a lot of optimism on the announcement about a year ago, but recently operational results uh, say this is a tough road at best. Uh, it'll, it'll be tough and it'll be interesting to see what she does to try to turn that around. Well, let's go over some of the 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 huh the question marks the 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 uh ohs the uh, I don't know because there are a few of those lately. When Roz Brewer stepped down at Walgreens, that was one that that I found interesting because I, I was excited that she had gone over to Walgreens. She had previously been in leadership at Walmart and at Starbucks. I thought she was going to be the next CEO of Starbucks. That didn't happen. Felt like she was going to go over and do great things at. Walgreens didn't really happen. That company still feels like it's in transition. I I don't know if uh, why she stepped down. We know, sometimes we just don't know. But that one was interesting for me. I could see a regular explanation just being like, I don't know. I don't want to be the CEO of Walgreens. I would have bought that. <laughs> well, the other one that happened recently is uh, Planet Fitness's CEO uh, Chris Rondo stepped down after the the board dismissed him. He'd been with the company for. 30 years, a CEO for a decade. You know, they've they put in an interim CEO, former governor of New Hampshire, uh, Craig Benson, also has 147 Dunkin' Donuts franchises and is a Planet Fitness franchisee. So he he knows the franchise business. What do you think here? Uh, where is Chris Rondo? We don't really know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next with Planet Fitness too. Yeah, so this is the compl- uh, a little bit of the opposite of the Brewer story, right? Where Walgreens is saying, "Oh, we've been surprised by this, but we're we're happy to have her help with the transition." The Planet Fitness CEO announcement was was made after the board dismissed him, which they made very clear. There's no reason, and I, I think that should that that would be concerning if I were an investor in Planet Fitness because your mind goes to to bad places. Is it personnel? Is it financial? Is there mm-hmm. drama that they're not willing to share? With, with the investors of their company. And usually the answer is because it's not something we want to. It's not good. There's one more uh, I think we wanted to talk about. Uh, Yancey's Brule from DigitalOcean. That's another one where he's going he's gonna to stick around until the new successor is found, and then he's going to step down from the board. 
seems like a little bit of a different story. Uh, again, right? So, so Sproul, I think this is this is almost more mournful for the uh, DigitalOcean and, and investors. He was one building a really like really strong long term vision for the company, and while he's not leaving immediately, the the, the thesis could change depending on who steps in. Um, the reason I think there's a question mark for for me here is when there's a long transition, I usually like to have the incoming CEO announced with the outgoing with the outgoing CEO, right? Something like uh, AutoZone or Costco, um, not happening here, which which for me raises a question mark. So in the end, as as we wrap up, we've talked about a lot of different types of CEOs, some kind of bombastic, some kind of folksy. How much do you think CEO character makes makes a difference? Is there any particular type of CEO you really like to see? Does it depend on the company? There are definitely ones that I root for. And you know, you want you want the good well, what you perceive as the good person, right? Because CEOs are so polished that it's really hard to tell and, and you only get little glimpses. There are certain folks where you say, oh yeah, that's that's how I like the company to be run. And you hear anecdotal stories where you're like, oh no, that person's really good. But you also see so many times it's, you know, the person who you're like, oh, I wouldn't have done it like that. Oh, I hate how they're doing, but it might work. And it and it does well. And I think, I think I've learned just... I, I think I'm kind of, I tend to give the person who I believe either has a good character or a good vision or a good, something I like to see more more leeway, but I'm also open to the idea that, hey, this isn't my cup of tea, but I will gladly charge $8 for that cup of tea and, and re- reap some of the profits. Yeah, right. It's it's This is one where it really depends that your CEO of Netflix is going to be, you want to see a different personality than perhaps the CEO of a peanut butter company. But regardless of the personality of the CEO, one thing I really like to see is that this person is elevating the people around them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in in the end, it really, culture fit, culture fit really matters. And some, that is something that, as we've talked about, you're not necessarily going to see in the first, you know, in the first 60, 90, you know, 180 days of of the CEO, but you absolutely will see it over time. Thanks for the chat, guys. This was fun. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Deidre Willard. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.